<laughs> All right, good morning, church we love. <laughs> we love Christmas, uh, in case that isn't immediately obvious. The one time a year I have hair, it just <laughs> flies off my head. Uh, anyways, we love Christmas. It's, we like to start it a week early just for fun. We just love it that much. It's the, it's the season where we, we start to celebrate and prepare to celebrate in anticipatory ways the birth of, of Jesus of Nazareth, the, the only hope and Savior of the world. I, I love this season already. I know that many of you have also been joining me in random um, outbursts of Christmas music throughout the week or the last couple months leading up to this moment, but I, I found myself to this week going over and over again talking about the thrill of hope. The weary world, right? You're just bursting forth with, with these uh, great Christmas songs because uh, yonder breaks a new and glorious morn, right? And uh, an exciting time. Uh, uh, so I, I just love it. So um, in the weeks leading up to Christmas, this is kind of how we celebrate it. We, we celebrate it with, with decorations and with carol events and, and focusing each week on a different theme. And so we, we start thinking and reflecting about the week one, hope. Hope. The hope we have in Jesus and, and living with very real hope in a, in, a, in a time where it's difficult to have hope. Um, living with peace in a time where it's, it, it can be a struggle to have peace. That's next week. Uh, living, with, uh, living with joy. Living with joy, especially when times are difficult. And then finally, uh, love. Uh, loved. And so we look over the next four weeks at these, these themes, in case you forget, they're on the back wall, and you can, you can, you can read those, and then we get a focus on, on Jesus. At the, at the heart of the Christmas story, at the heart of the, the message of, of the birth of Jesus, is that all that we've been hoping for, all that we've been waiting for, is going to come true, that in Jesus that, that the, the promises of the Bible, the promises of Jesus, that which we've been waiting for, are going to come true. They were waiting for thousands of years for this Messiah to be born, and it happened in Jesus. Just as it did happen, it's going to happen again. This, this promised baby was born, and he, this baby who, pr who gives us peace with God, full forgiveness of sins for those who believe in him, and gives the Holy Spirit along with eternity in heaven for those who believe. Today I want to talk about hope. I want to talk about hope for today. I want to talk about hope for tomorrow. And I want to talk about hope for eternity. And the, we're going to look at this example uh, today in the Bible, this Old Testament person, uh, the, this example of someone who, who is able to teach us about hope, where to place hope. And it's one of my favorite women in, in the Bible to talk about, this, this woman named, named Hagar. Hagar, back in, in the early chapters of, of Genesis. She, she teaches us so much about hope and, and navigating hope and, and brokenness in, in, in uh, this day and age, even though she lived, oh, well, 4,000 years ago or so. So her name is Hagar. She's Egyptian-born, and she was a slave of Abraham's wife, Sarah. How did she become a, a Sarah's slave? It's not exactly known, but it's greatly assumed that once um, Sarah married Pharaoh, that's what happened. Uh, Abraham and, and Sarah moved to Egypt. He said, tell him you're my sister, and, and she got married to Pharaoh instead, and during that time, it seemed like she got um, this Egyptian slave to be her handmaiden. Uh, this is what we read in Genesis 12 uh, about that moment. Um, Pharaoh's angry, as you would be, 
Um, why did you say she is my sister so that I took her as my wife? Now here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave his men orders about him, and they sent him away with his wife and all he had. So all that they'd accumulated in that process, uh, probably also Hagar uh, joined with them. So that's, that's kind of the, that's where it's, we assume the Hagar story picks up. Um, but however it happens, the first time we read about this woman is in Genesis chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be looking at her story, picking up in Genesis 16. Um, the words are going to be on the screen. So I'm going to just read the first couple of verses. Uh, it says this. It says, Abraham's wife Sarah had not born any children for him, but she owned an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Sarah, I said to Abram, that's uh, secret a code word for Sarah and Abraham. Their names are going to change. Don't worry about it. Same people. Sarah said to Abram, Since the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, go to my slave. Perhaps through her I can build a family. And Abraham agreed with what Sarah said. So Abram, Abram's wife Sarah, Sarai, took Hagar, her Egyptian slave, and gave her to her husband Abram as a wife for him. This happened after Abram had lived in the land of Canaan for ten years. Okay, so this is a, we're talking about Hagar here. This is a huge moment for, for Hagar. She goes from slave to the wife of the clan chief. Now, I don't, I, we did a series on Abraham years ago. I can't even remember when it was, but years ago. He has 300 and some men trained for war in his, in his, in his, um, in his group of, of servants. He has a huge clan that, he, that he's uh, overseeing here. So she goes from just the slave of Abram's wife to, to wife of the clan chief. Now, a wife of the clan chief, um, also still a slave, but her status skyrockets in the clan. And then we read this in verse 4. It says, So he slept with Hagar, and she became pregnant. When she realized that she was pregnant, she treated her mistress with contempt. Now, 4,000 years later, you're like, oh, that's probably not very nice. That's not the PC thing. That's not, uh, not very smart. But this is a massive moment for Hagar. I just, want, I just want you to think about, this is an incredible future-changing moment. Even power-changing moment within the clan. She is going to give birth to Abraham's firstborn son. And the Bible's clear, and, and that ancient culture is clear that the firstborn son is the firstborn son, whether it's from your most favorite wife or your most hated wife. The firstborn son gets the clan, becomes the future clan chief. You're not supposed to, in the Bible, in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 21, verse 15, 16, and 17, it makes it so clear. No matter who is the firstborn son, no matter whose wife it is, they are to be the firstborn. And, and, basic, and with all the rights and privileges, this son is supposed to become clan chief someday. Now, I understand that in the Bible we see a lot of except, exceptions to this, such as maybe Joseph or Solomon or, or, or people like that. Not supposed to be that way. It's not supposed to be that way. This is uh, Deuteronomy chapter 21 lays out the, the firstborn laws. Now, so what that means for Hagar is, what it means is that she might be a slave today, but someday she's going to be the mother of the clan chief. This is a, a, a she'll still be a slave for now, but someday she's going to be the mother of the clan chief and have all the power and privilege someday. And this is huge for her. Okay, let's keep reading her story in verse 5 here, 5 and 6. Then Sarai said to Abram, 
You are responsible for my suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and ever since she saw that she was pregnant, she has treated me with contempt. May the Lord judge between me and you. Abram replied to Sarai, Here, your slave is in your hands. Do whatever you want with her. Then Sarai mistreated her so much, so, so much that she ran away from her. Okay, so I hope some of these words are about to become a little bit more clear. The key words that you can't miss out here is so much, so much that. She mistreated her so much that she ran away. Now, she ran away after only a few months, okay? She's, she's pr been pregnant. She's still pregnant. She, is, um, she, she has not yet given birth. And so she's only been mistreated for, for a few months here. And yet she's experiencing such horrible uh, abuse, such horrible um, experience, mistreatment that, that she is fleeing before her son is born. That you've got to think about the quantity of mistreatment in order to get her to run away. It's got to be extraordinary because of, of what is potentially happening for her. Why would you run away at, the, at this moment where, you, where your future son is going to become the chief of the clan? He's going to lose everything. He's going to lose everything. And, and as a runaway slave, where, what is your future? What is your future? So when it says she was mistreated, brutal. Brutal. Life devastating to the point of giving up today. Of the, the point of giving up all of the tomorrows. All of the tomorrows. I can't even imagine the abuse of this woman must have been facing psychological, emotional, physical, uh, just incredible daily suffering, so much so she gave up her unborn son future and quit. Well, so she runs away, and then in verse 7, it says, The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, son of... Um, wait, let me just, where, I totally lost my place. Uh, said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She replied, I'm running away from my mistress Sarai. Then the angels of the Lord said to her, you must go back to your mistress and submit to her mistreatment. Oh my gosh, is that even in the Bible? Is that even in the Bible? A command from God via the angel of the Lord to go back enough and knowingly enter into years of suffering. Years of mistreatment. Extreme, extreme mistreatment and abuse. What a nightmare. What a nightmare for, for a, of a future for poor Hagar. I can't even imagine. God has told her to go back and submit to this suffering, but... He's also going to give her some hope. And we read this in verse 10. It says, The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will greatly multiply your offspring, and they will be too many to count. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, You have conceived and will have a son. You will name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your cry of affliction. This man will be like a wild donkey. His hand will be against everyone, his, and everyone's hand will be against him. He will live at odds with all his brothers. So she called, yeah, continue. So she called the Lord who spoke to her. Am I still reading? I think I'm still reading. Yes, I'm still reading. 
So she called the Lord who spoke to her, the God who sees. For she said, in this place, I have actually seen the one who sees me. That is why she named the spring a well of the living one who sees me. It's located between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave birth to Abram's son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son Hagar had. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. Never give up. <laughs> That's not in the notes. I just blew out. Sorry. Um, why, why does she need to? Why does she need to go back and suffer? Well, uh, because God has a future for her unborn son. That's why she has to go back. And, and He tells her this. He's given her the why. Why do you need to go back in this context of suffering? Because God is going to bless her son, and there is a future for this. Now, some of you may be experiencing a season of suffering. Some of you may be in a suffering in a way that you just can't escape. Maybe it's 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 internal anguish. Maybe it's it's fears that that you're you're suffering. Maybe it's grief. Maybe you're suffering uh, grief. It's something you can't get away from. Maybe you're suffering uh, abuse or mistreatment like Hagar. Maybe in your health. Maybe you're suffering in, in your health. I have I don't know, but but you know how you might be suffering. And some of you may be trying to run away from the suffering, like Hagar. And maybe you're, you're running f away from it in, in, in bad ways. Um, maybe you're running away via quitting on your future. Just quitting on the future that God has been preparing for you. Now, maybe some of you are, are, tr are running away via alcohol. Or, or drugs, or, or self-harm, or, or sex, or any countless numbers of escape, and you're just trying to self-medicate. Very dangerous ways. Very dangerous ways and bad ways to deal with suffering. When you find yourself suffering, when you find yourself in, in, a, in, in a season like, like with Hagar here, how are you supposed to deal with, with suffering as people who believe in God? Hope. 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 Now, now, God in this story gives hope to Hagar in a few different ways. First the way she does is hope from glimpsing the future. That's the first way that she's gifted uh, hope. The angel of the Lord is going to speak to her and talk to her about, about her future. Now, God does this often, and maybe he'll reveal a word or a picture or a dream or something about your future or someone's future where, that we get a hold on to during, during difficult times. I remember the Joseph series so much where, where Joseph was given a dream, and then for 13 years of being a slave or being in prison or being— with his father thinking he's dead He has to hold on to that That, that glimpse of his future That he got in a dream uh, During his, his years of suffering I, I know that many of you Have been given glimpses of your future God's given me some glimpses of, of future Over the years so that I can hold on During difficult days So we can keep going I know that he speaks uh, With a word, a picture, encouragement A, a dream, a vision we can have hope from God when he gives us glimpses in the future, good things to hold on to through days of suffering. If you're struggling to see any hope and you're in a context of suffering, ask God to grant you a glimpse of the future, a glimpse of the future. He does that. There's another thing here, though. Um, hope, it says hope 
uh, the note is hope God hears you. God hears you. It, it said, the angel said to, to Hagar, the Lord has heard your cry of affliction. The Lord has heard your cry of affliction. Okay, but what about you? What about you? Does God hear your prayer? Does God hear your prayer? There, there's several passages in the New Testament that talk about this. Uh, about a year ago, we were in the book of John, and we saw in chapters 14 and 15 and 16, Jesus making it clear over and over again, anything you ask in my name, that, that, that sense of like, I'm hearing you pray, when you're praying in, in Jesus' name, anything you ask in, in my name. We, we talk over and over again about the fact that God loves you. If you don't believe God loves you in here, you will struggle to believe that God cares enough to hear your prayers. It's just a simple check. But if you're absolutely convinced God loves you, then it will help you be convinced that he loves you so much that he's hearing you. That he's hearing you. We can live for hope today. for today. Because God hears our prayers. He hears our cries, especially in times of suffering. So we, we can see that God hears you. That's part of our hope. And, and then also here we see that God sees you. Hagar gives God a name here. First time it shows up, he says, you are the God who sees. And she names him the God who sees, or the God who sees me. And she names the well here, the living one who sees me. What a, what a powerful uh, lesson for us all. The day where we, we learn that powerful truth that God sees us and that's good. That, that God sees us, that he's paying attention to us in our fears. That he's paying attention to us in our sufferings. That he's paying attention to us in, in our challenges. These are words of hope. Very often we, we ask ourselves in difficult times, does God here, is he even paying attention to me? Is God even paying attention to me? I'm suffering. I'm sure Hagar did not believe that God saw her suffering under, under Sarai at first. That's why she ran away. But it's not just that God sees Hagar. Hagar discovers that God sees her and is alive and the living one. He's active. He does stuff. And so she, she names the well, not just God sees me, but the living one sees me, implying that God is active and he sees me. He's active. God, God is living and active so we can have hope. Friends, no matter what's happening in your life, you can have hope for today. You can have hope for today because God sees you, God hears you, and as the living one, he can do anything for he can do anything for you. You can have hope for today. Because all this that's true with Hagar is, is true for you as well. And even more as a New, new Testament, uh, new creation being. Well, the, the story of Hagar continues. And she goes back. And, and she endures what will turn out to be 17 years of horrible suffering. And, and can you imagine that? And how do we know it's, it's 17 years? Well, she's currently pregnant, so there's months left. Um, um, Isaac is going to be born when Ishmael's 14 years old, and she's going to be around then. And, and then there's going to be this day that we're going to find out about um, when, when there's, a, there's a party celebrating that um, Isaac is weaned. And I know most people throw big parties when, when that happens with their children, but but um, there's going to be, and, and we know from our, our previous study that that's about three years old, 
So 14 plus three years old, 17 years. And the great thing about Hagar here is during those 17 years, she stays in her suffering and she doesn't leave. And even though she ends up having to leave, she's forced away, as we're going to see in this story. She stayed with it as long as it was up to her. She kept on trusting God, trusting God with hope in, in, her, in her hard uh, and difficult time. Uh, let's, let's just see what happens. Uh, picking up in chapter 21, the next time we see her story. So she... Um, we read this in verse 8. And it says, The child grew and was weaned. This is Isaac. And Abraham held a great feast on, on the day Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son mocking. It's hard to think of a 17-year-old boy mocking at a, yeah, you can eat real food feast. Um, but apparently it happened. And... Uh, the one Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham. So, oh no, I think that's I think that's where we're going to pause for a second. So now, as of this verse right here, this this mocking verse, uh, even though Sarah has a baby, and, or, well, a three year old now, and and we're we're celebrating eating real food, Ishmael still is in the firstborn son place. This this is not a threat to Ishmael. He's the firstborn son. He is still supposed to be the, the clan chief um, someday. Okay, and then after 17 years of mistreatment, this is what happens, verse 10. So Sarah, so she said to Abram, Abraham, oh, he's got a name change now. Same people, name change. Drive out this slave with her son, for the son of this slave will not be a co-heir with my son Isaac. Now, this was a very difficult thing for Abraham because of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be concerned about the boy and your slave. Whatever Sarah says to you, listen to her, because your offspring will be traced through Isaac. But I will also make a nation of the slave son because he is your offspring. Early in the morning, Abraham got up, took bread and a water skin, and put them on Hagar's shoulders and sent her and the boy away. That's divorce language. That's divorce language. Divorcing uh, Hagar, divorcing the boy. They are, they are out. They are out. Legally out of the clan. Uh, this same, same language is in Deuteronomy 15, Deuteronomy 24. Uh, sent her away. Uh, she left and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. So they've lost now. She's lost everything. She's lost all that future that she thought she was suffering for. 17 years of suffering. And, and now in, in one moment, it, it's, it's crumbling. You think of the high price that, that she's paid, holding on to the hope of the certain reward from God that she, her son would be, have all these descendants and, and be a, a, great, a great nation. And, and now it looks like all of God's hopes it looks like all of the promises that she has been suffering to endure are about to be dashed. What does she get for all those years? Nothing. A skin of water, uh, just a, a little bit of food. That's all she got for her 17 years of suffering. Now, I guess technically she got um, a son who was circumcised because that happened during that time period and, and raised in, in Abram's home and, and all of that. But 
but basically nothing. And man, if there was ever a moment to feel like you suffered for nothing, Hagar is in that moment. And, and friends, I know life often feels like this, where, where you, you have these hopes, and you have these dreams, and, and you have these, these expectations, and you, you feel like God has spoken something over your life, and then all of a sudden, you, you think everything is crashing down, and now there is no hope of any of that suffering paying off. And it feels like there's no hope that you're ever going to get to what God um, has, has promised you. That, that is how Hagar must, must certainly feel at this moment, that, that she thought that God's promises were now not going to turn out because her expectation was that God's promises were going to be fulfilled in the context of, of, of being clan chief of Abraham's um, clan. Not that she would be leaving with nothing, with a 17-year-old, a little bit of water, but not enough to get anywhere. Friends, God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. Everyone, he keeps every promise every time, even though they might be differently answered. They might be answered differently than we ever expected. And Hagar is devastated, maybe all for nothing. And, and then we read this. It just gets so low for Hagar. Early in the morning, Abraham got up, took bread and a water skin, put them on Hagar's shoulders, and sent her and the boy away. She left and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she left the boy under one of the bushes. I mean, the boy, he's 17. So if you're 17, you're feeling, okay, never mind. Um, you're a man, you're a man. Uh, Left the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down nearby, about a bow shot away, for she said, I can't bear to watch the boy die. So as she sat nearby, she wept loudly. Okay, Hagar genuinely believes there is no hope for her future. She thinks this is the end. And I don't know how you feel about your future or how close to, to you feeling like there's no hope for you, but it's not this far. It's not this far where she has now got a bow shot away believing that her son with all the promises connected to him is going to die. She is at the end. No reason for hope anymore. She has no reason for any, any hope. And, and I know that some of you feel uh, like you get to these places where you can't see any reason for hope. Well, here is what God says to Hagar in this moment when she feels there is absolutely no more hope. She says this in verse 17. God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy from the place where he is. Get up, help the boy, and support him, for I will make him a great nation, reaffirmed. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the water skinning and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy, and he grew. He settled in the wilderness and became an archer. She changed his name to Legolas. Nope. <laughs> nope, sorry. Okay, that's, that's, not, that's not there. 
<laughs> she became an archer. Full stop, next sentence. He settled in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Now, that, that, is, that last sentence we want to skip over, usually. No, no, no. That right there is the new beginning of God's promises. He got a wife. Maybe he thought he was going to start with a clan, but instead he started by his mother bringing him a wife from Egypt. It is a complete start over. It's a new beginning, but God's promises are going to come true. Not how it was expected, but how it was going to... So just go back, going back to this idea of hope here for a second here, especially in years of suffering. So this is what God said to Hagar, and, and I don't want you to miss it. In, in, when, when she was in this moment where she saw no hope, this is what was said. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. God has heard. Get up. God opened her eyes. Say that again. Do not be afraid. God has heard. Get up. God opened her eyes. If you're here today and you feel like your, your suffering is too much, there is always hope for you and for your future. There's always hope for you and for your future. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. God sees you. God has heard your prayers. He is the living God. He is actively at work for you and for your future. Get up. Keep going. Just because you can't see any reason for hope doesn't mean it's not right there in front of you. Hagar could not see the well. God opened her eyes, and there it was. It does not say, and God invented a well. It just, it, he, she couldn't see it. She was blind to what was right in front of her, and then God opened her eyes so she could see. And so often, we're just one tiny revelation from being able to see a way forward when we thought there was no way forward at all. We thought we were totally stuck. Just because you can't see the way forward doesn't mean it's not right there. God is able, in one instance, to unfold your future for you, to, to open the way forward, whether you can see it or not. And it's so easy to be afraid in life. It's so easy to, to, to lose hope. It's so easy to lose confidence. It's so easy to, to, want to be afraid and afraid that maybe we'll suffer and we'll suffer forever. Maybe just to be afraid that, that life is going to continue on and on. I'm afraid we're stuck and just that there's no hope. But just as the angel says to, to Hagar and just as the angel says to Mary during the Christmas story, do not be afraid. For I bring, says God via the angel, you good news. Of great joy, in Mary's case, for all people. The message of, of Jesus is a message of good news, of, a news of, of hope for, for, for all people, that there's hope for you today, that there's hope for your tomorrow, and that there's hope for your forever because Jesus was born, he was crucified, but God raised him from the dead. 
There's hope for your forever, even if everything is rough all the days of your life, there's hope for your future. Even if your whole life is full of suffering, because in Jesus there's hope for your future, because heaven and, and that happiness is real. It's real and it's promised, it's certain to everyone who's given their lives to Jesus. If you've given your life to Jesus, this is the hope that you can expect for eternity, this and things like this. Revelation chapter 1, 21, Revelation chapter 21 reads like this. It's a, it's a snapshot of heaven and your future. For those of you, you who believe, then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity. And he will live with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will, no, will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He said also, Write, because these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give water as a gift to, uh, to the thirsty from the spring of life. The victor will inherit these things, and I will be his God. And he will be my son or daughter or child. Friends, you have hope for today because God hears and God sees. You have hope for tomorrow because, because God's living and he acts and he does stuff. You, and if you've given your life to Jesus, you have a certain hope for your forever because heaven is coming for everyone who has given their life to Jesus, and it's going to be amazing. The, the challenges for today are these. Challenge number one, identify what might be causing you to feel little hope these days. Is there something that's, that's causing you to feel little hope these days? And secondly, write out a prayer of faith to God, including asking Him for, for Him to open your eyes, and affirming you know he sees and hears your prayers. There's, there's, there's the God, I, I know that you see, I know that you hear. Please help me to see. Um, help me, help me, help me. 